Welcome to another edition of Around with Randall, your weekly podcast on making your nonprofit more effective for your community. And here is your host, the CEO and founder of Hallett Philanthropy, Randall Hallett. It's Around with Randall again in the latest episode of this podcast. Of course, I'm Randall. want to thank you for your time and for your listen. As we talk a little bit about the challenges in our nonprofit industry, and frankly, you could apply much of this to the for-profit world, around the balancing of short and long-term goals and the implication of worrying too much actually about the short term. This is all being driven by a lot of different factors, pressures that are occurring right now. And what we find is, is that when we have these pressures, which we're going to list here in a second, we've probably realized that leadership becomes more about solving those individual challenges or issues in the moment than they do around building long-term strategy. Strategies long-term, short-term goals are more of the day. The thing is we need both. And what I'm finding or seeing more often is, is that we're spending much more time in leadership. Maybe that's you as a part of a leadership team. Maybe you're the CEO of a nonprofit. Maybe you're in the philanthropic area and you're looking at your leadership and you're like, where are we headed? Because it's missing that long-term strategy. So what are those pressures that's causing the challenges of the day? Well, first of all, we're hearing more and more, particularly in the nonprofit space, around needing money. We need it now. I'm very fortunate I have clients across multiple areas or or sectors of the nonprofit industry, healthcare, education, social service, uh, all kinds of places that I hear lots of stories and lots of circumstances of where the nonprofit is or what they're dealing with. And what is consistent is, is that there's, there's a shortage or a decrease in revenue and that expenses are up, which we'll talk about here more in a second. So there is this pressure that we need we need resources. If you're a healthcare or education higher ed, uh, you have alternative revenue streams. Philanthropy is a minority of the money you bring in, but yet CEOs, chancellors, presidents, whatever titles, certainly CFOs are looking into the philanthropy area saying, oh, well, we need we, we just need more money. If you're an industry or part of our industry and 100% of your dollars come from philanthropy, maybe you're an association like a zoo or a museum, maybe there's some membership dollars, but they're more driven by philanthropy in terms of what makes their budget work. There is questions about where are we going to find these resources? Number two, in that component is we're seeing rising expenses. We certainly know if you go to the grocery store at all, where I was this morning, you see that inflation is pushing prices up. But the biggest place we're seeing it is actually in the labor market. And so what we do is just becoming more expensive anytime you put a person in place. There was a story here in the last couple of days uh, related to McDonald's that they're seeing such inflationary pressures on their labor force. They are beginning to implement, which you might have seen in kind of ab- ad hoc ways, removing people from the equation. 
to the point that one store has started to automate almost every aspect of getting your food from McDonald's, from the ordering to the manufacturing or the putting the food together to the delivery, drive-through, front desk or front or front counter. So we're seeing these huge increases, pressures on inflation from inflation that are really causing our, our organization to figure out how can we be more efficient? How do we not spend as much money? Third is, is that we're in particularly in the nonprofit world, seeing pressure on increasing services. So if you talk to people who are in the housing or food areas, meaning they provide housing or they provide food, like a food pantry, homeless shelter, it's becoming more and more challenging to meet all of the people's needs. I wrote a blog recently about what's going on in England. And the, the concept of the blog was, are we paying attention in the United States to what's going on in the rest of the world? The dramatic increase in basic necessities, housing, and I'll throw in assistance like uh, gas or electricity, food insecurities is growing. We actually saw kind of a preview of this, unfortunately, during the pandemic with free and reduced lunch programs, where somebody quickly realized, or lots of people quickly realized, when you don't have schools, and that's the place where many kids get their best meal, you remove that part of the equation, it becomes more challenging for kids just in terms of basic necessities. So there's all of these complicating factors about we have more needs for service. When we talk about investment, we have a stagnant market, meaning if you use the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 or whatever, it, those are just markers. The, the stock market over the last year has been very stagnant. It was down, then it was up, now it's down. It's anywhere fluctuating between 31 and 33,500 for the Dow. Well, what that means is, is if people have endowments, they're not getting as much money out of it. And that if there's no growth or consistent growth, which there hardly hasn't been the last 16 months or so, then what you end up with is pressure on not taking as much money out because we're not seeing we're not taking the growth and we're dipping into the corpus, which is eventually going to have a long-term effect on ability to support our organization. The fifth and final piece, excuse me, the fourth and final piece is the supply chain that literally one day you can't find something. So in the consumer market, give you two examples. Uh, recently, there were stories in December regarding Tylenol for kids. And my wife and I experienced this where we had not didn't need hospitalization, but we needed Tylenol. And we began to realize we're a little low and we couldn't find it. I happened to find it in Costco in Iowa City. And I don't live in Iowa City only because I was going through there and my wife said, hey, can you stop and just look around and see if you can find any? That's four hours away. I just happened to be there. There was in the car and auto, auto manufacturing industry, shortage on chips, which I think would apply to lots of other places. But we saw it in cars. that They were shipping cars with two pieces or two chips missing, let's say. My brother-in-law had this exact example. He got a truck. But the heated steering wheel and the heated seat or something, they needed to put the chips when they got them. Now, that's a first world problem. But what about things like when we went at the beginning of the pandemic, PPE and, and the ability to supply safety equipment for our frontline supply chain problems? 
So when you add, we need dollars now based on the factors of rising expenses, more needs for these services, stagnant markets, and supply chain, that's leading us into something that I think of as we're doing a lot of filling holes. And we're, we're, we're taking moment-to-moment challenges to try to solve them. And in some regards, we have to. I'm not dismissing the need for doing that. But the question becomes from a leadership perspective, how much time are you spending on that versus strategy? Ernst & Young did a fabulous study in the last year or two on both for-profit and non-profit about what happens when they call short-termism when organizations, particularly leaders, spend too much time on short-termism solutions and forget about the long-term strategies. And they were able to track with a great deal of data. I'm not going to go into the report. It's 52 pages, single-spaced, at about eight-point type. But the big takeaways were this. Number one, when an organization spends too much time on short-termism, their term, but filling holes, Randall term, is, is that what happens is leadership's tenure diminishes. That CEO tenure in particular goes down a great deal, but all leadership tenure drops. That there is a reduction in investment in the things that are more long-term success-driven infrastructure, equipment, and most importantly, talent, people. I also would add, this was was not in the study, but I think it's important, that we see an increased number of questions as we go along. It's exponential. If we're solving these short-termism issues, these three today, in three months, we might have six. One or two might be the same, but we're adding to it. And in nine months, we got 12. And what ends up happening is is that the number of things we have to juggle in solving short-term gap-filling holes begins to increase dramatically, and it reduces the effectiveness of leadership, and thus the organization. You might be able to realize where I'm going. We're seeing too much short-term juggling, filling holes, short-termism, if we steal from Ernst & Young, and not enough strategy. So the question becomes, how do we ensure that we have strategies a part of what we do? It doesn't mean we can just eliminate the important individual needs our organizations have today. But if you're a leader, maybe you're the chief development officer, chief philanthropy officer, maybe you're part of an executive team, maybe you're on a board. If you're not thinking strategy, even when things times are challenging, what you're doing is all things we just spent five, uh, eight, nine minutes talking about is you're going to have problems and bad outcomes. So how do we do this? Six steps you can think about to integrate into conversations, discussions, strategy planning sessions that will allow you to think more strategy along with or maybe even overlaying short-term-ism problems. Number one, you have to start with the mission. If you allow the short-term challenges to become all-encompassing, what you're doing potentially is you're putting your mission at jeopardy. I'm working with a client in healthcare that literally is struggling with the concept that is remembering the mission. 
There are so many moving pieces that they're literally just trying to plug holes in the dike, like the little boy. And I'm on the outside, so I get to see it from maybe a much higher altitude, a little bit, see the forest through the trees. And what I keep saying is, and there's some others as well, don't forget your mission. Your mission is to serve the community. The reason you're a nonprofit is you have to take care of those that need care. And the, it's becoming really an issue that, th- that they're solving so many day-to-day problems that the executive team and the boards aren't talking about the mission-driven activity that should occur. How do they do it? What does it cost? What are the implications? And we're going to get to this in a second. Where does philanthropy fit into that? Because if you don't have those things, then philanthropy struggles, foundation development office, advancement office, to be able to fund things, which we're going to come to, because donors, particularly the top end ones, want to make a difference. So start having conversations about what we actually should be doing in terms of who we serve and what we do. Number two is that we're having reduced focus on two, three, and five-year strategies. Now, in some industries, five-year strategies may be too long, just two and three. But what I'm finding is is that we are dealing with so many short-term issues that nobody's talking about what do we want to be in two and three years, particularly at the senior level. Another client I'm dealing with, I had the privilege of spending some time with them in December on site, and all we talked about for a full day with their two boards, their governing board or their or their healthcare board and their foundation board, was around challenges that they're going to run into when they get to the year 2030. They didn't talk about the nursing shortage. They didn't talk about the challenges with payer mix. Other than to say, those are internal things. We'll be glad to answer your questions. But what we want to talk about is how are we going to meet the needs of what we should be, can be, and will be in 2030 with about 60 to 70 community leaders to really challenge them about where they're involved, what they should do, how does strategy fit into this? It was so uplifting. They're thinking eight years down the road with a big challenge they're going to have. And they have a lot of options if they execute them now rather than wait. So make sure that there's someone always pushing. What does this mean for two or three years down the road? How does this fit into the bigger picture? Number two. Number three is, as I'm seeing too often, the use of the word yes. It's as if we're looking for magic solutions and we're forgetting about the tried and true. I think this is completely appropriate to say, I find this a little bit more often in the finance area and CFOs than I do in other places. Let's just cut. We'll just cut our expenses. I'm not advocating we all shouldn't be smart with our expenses. Certainly in my business and at home, I advocate that. But if that's the only response or it's the immediate response, it misses a key component, growth. And I mentioned this a few minutes ago. What we know is people who are at the top end of philanthropy want to invest in things that are going to make a difference, that are measurable, that are going to increase the outreach of the nonprofit to serve the community in a stronger, better way. Well, that includes growth, not just reduction, not magic beans. And that's when philanthropy is at its best. That's a hard message if you are 
a smaller nonprofit in terms of, I'll, I'll, let me put that differently. That's tougher if the organization is large and you're a very small part of the organization because you're one small voice amongst many. But if you go back to the mission and say, I think we could really push some conversations. I think it could be with the community and with people who are generous and philanthropists. I think you might get some interesting conversations. And don't be afraid to be loud. Respectful, but loud in being able to explain, exclaim that philanthropy can be part of the solution. Number four is alignment. You need to have really great alignment, first and foremost, with your stakeholders, with the community, and the board. And really emphasize, particularly for those who aren't in our business, and we should follow this as well. It's what I tell my son. You have two ears and one mouth. Use them appropriately and, and, and by percentage. Because we should be listening more. What does the community think? How do they value us? What do they think our challenges are? What do they think the community challenges are? How do we fit into those challenges and solve them? And just because the content expert may be your executive team or your chair of your board doesn't mean they have a responsibility not to listen to every other person throughout the community who have their own ideas, even if you don't use them. The second place is the ability inside leadership to have candid conversations to make sure everybody's on the same page. I just had a recent conversation dealing with a capital campaign with a client, and I recommended that we have a very detailed conversation with discussion with finance because the finances are tight and we're in the middle of this or beginning this campaign effort. And once it's a capital project, so once we get the pledges, the conversation was you got to put a shovel in the ground. And now that's not happening tomorrow. That's probably a year from now, but the one nightmare scenario I have in this particular case, and maybe a couple of others, to be honest, is you raise the money and then finance says, And by the way, it's pledged, so maybe you don't have every dollar in hand, but it's coming. And finance says, well, we just can't do it. We don't have the cash flow. It's like, no, 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 no. I can't go back to the donors and tell them that. That was such a positive conversation. The CFO appreciated it. The organizational treasurer appreciated it. The board treasurer appreciated it because then they could plan. That's an alignment conversation. The last is, is your employees. Are you aligned with them? Are you having candid conversations? Well, it happened nearly a decade or actually more than that ago. I watched with great reverence one of my mentors, Glenn Fosdick, the former CEO and president of the Nebraska Medical Center, which now is Nebraska Medicine and and renamed, when we went from a pension program to a 401k program. And the amount of time he spent in monthly meetings, he personally and all of us on the senior executive team having constant meetings in departments, organizational-wide. We actually were using Zoom at the time, which is kind of amazing or some variation of internal communication to prepare the employees for this so that when it got rolled out and had strategy sessions with them and explained to them, it was just not a problem because Glenn Fosdick forced us to be aligned with the employees, communication, openness. Here's where we're going. Here's why it's important. Here's what's going to mean financially for the organization. Here's how you can overcome that through a matching 401k program rather than a pension program. It was amazing. I thought this would be dead in the water when I first heard about it. 
but we were aligned. Glenn Fosdick deserves credit for that. Are you aligned with your employees? Are you having honest, open conversations about what's going on? The fifth, real quickly, is just, are you looking at the right dashboards? It really is about data. If you're a senior executive and you're worried about, is the floor getting swept? Because that's what we tend to do in crisis. We, we tend to, to, to narrow focus and not worry about strategy. Or the board starts asking management questions rather than strategy questions. That's all about dashboards, data. And there has to be some candid, honest, open conversations about, hey, that's really not what we need to be talking about. To get more strategy discussions amongst board, community leaders, and our executive teams. And that's a hard sell because when things are up in the air and not running well, sometimes leaders want more data. And more data is not bad, but if it's strang- putting a stranglehold on adding strategy to conversations, then if you pull back the data, you're more likely to see a longer view. The last is that we have to invest in talent. And invest is the key word. That early on in my career, I was helping a nonprofit get started and working with the CEO, who was a actually a Jesuit priest. And we were talking about how he was going to fund or find talent for the head of advancement for this particular school. And he had a dollar figure in mind. And I said, you're going to get a terrible component, a terrible employee. You're just not going to get what you need or want. I was told, and my favorite, one of my all-time favorite phrases, is it's a moral imperative this person make less than I do. And I said, okay, at the end of the day, you get to make that decision, but I think you're not going to like the result. And literally six months later, I get a phone call saying, we have a real problem. And I said, that's because you're not paying for talent. It may cost a little more in the short term, but the long-term implications of hiring and having the right people, even though they're a dollar or two more, is worth it. We have to invest in the people that are going to drive success. And some of that is a hard conversation inside budgets, but it's a worthy one if you're looking to improve your organization long-term. So keep in mind, mission, focus on two, three-year plans. What does this mean long-term? Not saying yes to everything that's a magic bean or bullet. Aligning with your constituencies, creating the right data flow and looking at the right dashboards, and making sure you're investing in great talent. Those are ways that you can push strategy and pull back a little bit from filling holes or that concept that Ernst and, or, or EY now, as they call it, Ernst and Young, talks about short-termism so that we can continue to make sure nonprofits are filling the holes that we need. Always check out the blogs, two or three a week, halletphilanthropy.com. If you'd like to reach me, that's podcast at halletphilanthropy.com. Finally, it, it, challenging times require leaders to step up, step into the breach and figure a way to make what we do better. Nonprofit work is no different. What we know is, is that, as I always try to say, some people make things happen. Some people watch things happen. Then there are those who wondered what happened. In challenging times, we need more people to be along the lines of making things happen rather than watching what happened or wondering what happened. And nonprofit works all about bringing people together to take care of those who and the organizations and the causes that we believe in that make our community better. Don't forget that you're part of that. And hopefully a little bit of strategy will help you continue to be that. I'll look forward to seeing you next time, right back here on Around with Randall. Don't forget, make it a great day. <laughs>